Well, uh, today we're going to wrap up this series on origin. Uh, well, we're going to wrap it up for now. I mean, we're only on chapter 3 of Genesis. There's a lot more chapters in this book. Uh, but for now, we are going to uh, going to wrap it up. We've got a new series starting in October. And I'll, I'll talk more about that in a little bit later. Um, next week, I'm very excited. A great friend of mine, Sharon's and ours, um, and uh, a friend of Christian Life Centers uh, is going to be here to speak. Um, Kyle Pitchford, he was here a couple weeks ago. I brought him up, introduced him. He is a young adult pastor at uh, Twin Lakes. And we have a long history um, uh, together. He was actually a youth pastor for us when we were pastoring in Lodi a long time ago. Uh, he went to Bethany, uh, ended up graduating at Vanguard, only because Bethany um, had to shut down, transferred over there. But he's been at Twin Lakes now for quite a few years on staff. Great guy. But he'll be speaking here next week. So I'm really excited about that. Also, on the 8th, the following week, uh, two weeks from today, um, there's going to be a kind of a formal, they call it an installation, uh, as far as me as the pastor at Christian Life Center. And strange word, installation. I just have other images that come to mind when I think of installing something. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm really excited because a great friend of, of, of mine and Christian Life Center is going to be here uh, to formally do that. And uh, his name is Jason Garcia. You may know him. Uh, he'll be here on October the 8th, and I'm really excited about that. We are great friends. Uh, he's family here, and he's had a huge impact on this church for many, many years. So excited about that. And also, I just want to introduce two people to you real quick, and we'll talk more about this um, in, in weeks to come. But I am so grateful to God, uh, answer prayer, uh, that we are going to be um, having a ministry here uh, for people with addictions, hurts, habits, hang-ups, and that is Celebrate Recovery. So just Jen and Tim, if you could stand real quick. Just stand up. <clears throat> These are the leaders. Uh, so just just become very familiar with Jen and Tim because uh, they're going to be here Friday nights. Uh, they're going to be here Friday nights uh, for Celebrate Recovery starting October 6th. So if you know anybody um, who is struggling in, in life in these areas, uh, please uh, let us know or let them know. They'll be here regularly. You may, you, you may sit down. Can we, can we clap for them one more time? Firm, firm up. So grateful. <clears throat> so grateful. Uh, I have been involved, uh, or every church I've been in, involved with has had a recovery ministry, primarily Celebrate Recovery. So very grateful um, that God has answered kind of both of our prayers. Kind of both of our prayers. I'll, I'll just put it that way. I'll put it that way. Hey, as we uh, wind down this series um, on origins, getting back to Genesis, the beginning, uh, we've been talking about uh, the, the four areas, kind of themes here, and that is creation, community, corruption, and recreation. Can we say those together? Uh, <clears throat> creation, community, corruption, and recreation. And so as we continue looking here at Genesis 3, we're going to look at verses of 14 through 19. Genesis 3, 14 through 19. And uh, we're just labeling this message consequences. 
Everyone say that word. It's a great word, isn't it? Consequences. Now, here's the good news. Uh, consequences aren't always bad. There can be good consequences. Right? Now, oftentimes, when we think of the word consequences, though, it, it brings a negative connotation. Right? For good reason. For good reason. And we're going we're to see... Uh, the consequences of Adam and Eve and the snake's decisions. Their decisions. Now, l- let me just say a phrase, and <clears throat> let's see what comes to mind, in, in your mind. Your past will one day show up in your future. What comes to mind? You don't need to yell that loud. <clears throat> Just have a conversation with yourself. My past will one day show up in my future. Now, my, my today, right, today, one day today will be my past. Decisions I make today will one day be my past. And that past will show up. Today's going to show up in my future. Does that make sense? Consequences. Again, they can be positive or they can be negative, but it's, it's going to happen. I, I wish there was a way out of this one. <laughs> I really do. I, I wish this was not a truth in, in the way the world has been designed by God. But it is. Some people might refer to this as uh, planting seeds and receiving a harvest. Oftentimes I talk to new believers and they're frustrated that Jesus hasn't just like <laughs> radically redesigned their life overnight. Come on, come on, someone help me out. As if the seeds they planted for years have no consequences at all. Sometimes we've got to cycle through past seeds. Now, can God, can God, can God, can God, is it possible that our past actions can be, like the consequences can be like eliminated by God? Is it possible? Yes, it is. Should we bank on it as we make decisions? Ah! Buena suerte. Good luck. (laughs) He might. He could. He can. But he certainly is not obligated. Certainly not obligated. Uh, The word consequences simply means this. uh, The effect, result, or outcome... Of something occurring earlier. Okay, we, we understand that, right? So we know that uh, last week we talked about the blame game. Um, Adam and Eve um, ate from the fruit they were not supposed to. They disobeyed God. And uh, the snake was the manipulator, the liar, right? The Bible says that the, 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 the devil is a liar. That's his language. His language is to lie, right? He manipulated them, Eve, 
Uh, and then Adam ate after her, which he knew before her, or he shouldn't have. God spoke to him earlier. So there were consequences. Here are the consequences. So we're going to lay out the consequences. Um, and again, my whole purpose today, besides interpreting the scripture, uh, <laughs> is, is to motivate you, hopefully, that today you will make decisions that honor God, right? So that tomorrow you will live a blessed life, right? That's what we want. That's what we want. Anyway. So here's what uh, Genesis 3, 14 um, and on says. And uh, first, God's going to address the serpents as far as the consequence. He says this, Then the Lord God said to the serpents, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust, as long as you live. So this is a price serpents are going to pay. And oftentimes the... Uh, we know the serpent is um, a, a manifestation or embodiment. Some people say that the devil himself, uh, kind of uh, in, in, in an animal shape or form here. But we know it represents Satan himself. <clears throat> and he goes on, verse 15, and he says this. And this verse 15 is real interesting. Theologians call this the first gospel. So God, in the midst of bringing judgment on the serpent and Adam and Eve, he's going to, at the same time, provide for them a way back. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing about God? Here he is giving a pronouncement on the consequences of their decision, and at the exact same time, he's giving them a way back. Yay, God. <clears throat> Aren't you glad that's the God you serve? I mean, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? In the, in the moments where you're going to make a decision that you know does not honor God. I mean, none of you here would understand that. You know, you got mental gymnastics going, convincing yourself that somehow you're, you're different. You're, you're special. <laughs> the fire won't burn you. Come on, someone help me out. In those moments, even in those moments, God's got a way back for you and me. Isn't that amazing? I mean, can you imagine if you were God? Bringing down consequences on people? <clears throat> Come on. Some of you, now some of you in the room are gracious. Others of you, man. Fire, brimstone, nap. <clears throat> but God's going to make way back. So verse 15, let me read this. <clears throat> the first gospel, so to speak. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Here's kind of the key part of this verse. Um, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And a lot of theologians refer to the cross in this moment. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he's on that cross, he declared victory upon the cross, his death, and resurrection. Over the influence and the power of the enemy. And certainly in your life and in my life. Do you believe that today? In Christ, we have the power to overcome the influence of Satan. Do you believe that today? All his schemes, all three of them, right? Three categories he has. Remember the three, right? 
the, um, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, right? the desire to accumulate things, uh, the desire to live for just pleasure, possessions, power. Right? Those three categories, same ones Jesus went through in Matthew 4 uh, with Satan trying to tempt him in those areas. He was tempted in all ways, all those categories like you and I are. In Christ, uh, we have the power to live a life that honors God. Do you believe that today? Yeah, that, that, every day. Every day. As a Christ follower. Because of what Christ did on the cross. Because the price he paid on the cross. In a, in a little bit, we're going to take communion. And it'll be a reminder of the power of that that sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross for you and for me. And the power that God gives us to live a life that honors him. And that came through his death. It, it was, it, it, there's no cheap grace, right? There was a high price paid for you and I to live in a way that honors God. But God wants to bring us back. He wants to give us a way back. Ironically, in this moment, in the garden, God's making a way back to the garden. <laughs> That's what salvation's all about. It's getting back to that place where we're walking with God, uninhibited. We're not hiding from him. God's not going, hey, where, where are you? <laughs> we're walking with him every day. That's what salvation or rescuing is all about. Verse 16, now it's the woman's turn. Boy, isn't it, this is painful to even read. Verse 16. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. Now, I have never been pregnant. My wife has, though. I've been in that room. She's delivering. What a nice way to put that, delivering. And uh, I remember our, our, our first child. Shame. Uh, my job was to hand her the ice chips. Guys, any, any? I failed miserably. I just couldn't deliver those at the right, at the, I was slow. Because she was in pain in that moment. So I was not going to win at all. Uh, but yeah, right there, panning, give birth. And then it says, and you will desire, oh, there's a lot in this verse right here. I haven't got time for it. Not today. And you will desire to, now, now, now I know, ladies, you're all naive on this point. I'll try to help you as much as I possibly can. To control your husband. Let's continue. Eh, but <laughs> he will rule over you. Now, notice, this is the consequence of what? Sin. Cat, you got a cat. This is real important. You got to get this. This tension is the consequence of sin. So Paul gives the solution to this tension that all of you who are married know what I'm talking about. And it's called mutual submission in Ephesians chapter 5. Mutual submission. Mutual 
honoring one another. Respect, love, mute. That's what overcomes sin. Somebody say amen. Someone say, help me, Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Help me, Lord. Mutual submission is the key to overcome the consequence of this sin in Christ. In Christ. Let's keep moving. Okay, got through that. Verse 17. And to the man, the guy's, the guy's, the guy's turn. And to the man, he said, since you listen to your wife. Now, let me, let me finish this thought. Is it? He listened to his wife about something God already spoke to him about. It's not that he listened to his wife. Is this making sense? Men, you should listen to your wives. You should. You should. Now, but, and this is true, wives and husbands also. Uh, but if, if you know what's coming out of their mouth, is against God's word, this is your obligation right here. These are your instructions. This is who you follow. You just give your spouse a hug. You reaffirm you love them. Right? And you say, yeah, I'm going God's way. Come on, someone help me out here. This is not what Adam did. Adam should have confronted his wife and said, you know better, God already spoke. This is already clear. We cannot eat this fruit. Come on, somebody. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, of which I told you not to, whose fruit I command you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Oh, I was gardening yesterday in our backyard. Oh. It never ends. Never ends. Brian, it never ends. We, 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 were, we were designed to live in a beautiful paradise garden without the sweat of these weeds. It says, all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Wow. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat its grains, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return, until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. Now let, let me see a phrase. Real important. Uh, the lure of sin or disobedience to God. I'm talking to Christians here. I'm talking to Christians. The lure of sin Disobedience to God. And by the way, just a reminder, the word sin, it's a Greek word that just means you're missing the target. The bullseye. The bullseye is how God wants you and I to live. And you're missing it. That's all it means. Listen. I know most of us, when we hear sin, we hear sin! <laughs> Some pastor freaking out up front. You know. uh, sin's bad, has serious consequences, but it just means missing the mark. You're not hitting the bullseye of how God, you're outside of the parameters that God has set for us on how to live our lives. And those parameters are for your benefit. Therefore, your protection and your provision, every parent in this room knows what I'm talking about. Right? It's for your benefit. It's to make you better. 
So we want to hit that bullseye as much as we can with God's help. So the lure of sin, in part, is the distance between the sin and the consequences. I'm going to repeat that one. The lure of sin, in part, is the distance between the sin and the consequences. I, I think some of our, it's kind of like having a credit card. I don't want to depress anybody in the room with that thought. <laughs> but sometimes we, 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 <laughs> we pay for something, right? And then we don't, the debt <laughs> is so far off, right? And we can't feel it yet that we're willing to put down that card, even though we know we haven't got what it takes to pay that debt. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Any, anybody? I know you got, you got friends that understand what I'm saying, right? <laughs> but sin's that way. It's like we're, we're putting down this. We're not paying the price now. But man, that, there's something coming in the future. The bill is going to be due at some point. That's part of the, that's part of the, the lure, if you will, I think. That, that gap, right? I mean, can you imagine <clears throat> if you and I knew that, I'm talking to Christians, that when we made a decision and we knew dishonored God, if, if, if we knew... We're going to pay that price immediately, like right then, would we do it? Probably not. That would cut out maybe half of them for most of us. Come on, help me out. Some of you would still go, yeah, I'm going to pay the price. (laughs) But if we knew that consequence would happen immediately, what do we do it? Numbers 32, 23 says, But if you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Right? The consequences of that disobedience uh, at some point catches up to us. At some point catches up to us. Now, again, um, this language could also be um, our seeds we plant. And the harvest we, we reap. <clears throat> Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Kind of wind this down, then we'll go into communion. Uh, talks about this, uh, these seeds of, of death or life we can plant every day. Death or life. Death or life. And we get a harvest back, either of death or of life. And, and here's what it says. Uh, Galatians 6, 7. It says, don't, don't be misled. Turn, turn to someone near you and say, don't be misled. Come on, help me out. Come on, just find somebody. Don't be misled. Don't don't do it. <laughs> I'm trying to emphasize Paul's words here. Don't be misled. If you listen to the words of the serpent, did God really say you're going towards being misled? Right? Don't be misled. Don't do it. Don't do it. You cannot mock the justice of God. Come on, let, let, let's, just, let's just be uh, just amongst a few friends here. 
how many of you, through life experiences, know this is true? Can't do it. You just can't do it. Cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, everyone say always. And by the way, in the Greek, the word always means A plus. You will always harvest what you plant. Come <laughs> any gardeners in the room? We've talked about gardening before. You're not going to plant an avocado seed and get bananas. I've got an avocado tree in my backyard. It's about, I don't even know how it's still alive. It's been a couple of years now, two, three years, I don't know. Four or five, and it's like, and it's like yellow. I don't know how it's even living. But I planted an avocado seed, and that's what's coming up. Right? You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. You, you just that's an inescapable principle. Now, again, this could be a negative or a positive. Here's the positive. But those who live to please the Spirit will what? Harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Is that not what you want today? Is that not what you want today? Everlasting life from the Spirit? I do. I do. In my soul, I do. There's constant battle happening all the time. But that's what I want. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So we're going to harvest death or life. But here's the good news. That, that's a, a choice that we have every day. Every day. God's mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad? But we have a choice every day to do the right thing. Now, is it easy doing the right thing all the time? There's so many forces working against us, constantly working against us. But man, the payoff is huge. Verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, there's, there's a zeitgeist. There's a spirit of this world. There, there, there's a counterculture against the kingdom of God that can be exhausting after a while. Just standing your ground is a victory sometimes. <laughs> Not losing ground, just standing your ground is a victory sometimes. But he says, don't, 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 get, don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will what? Reap a harvest of blessing if we don't what? Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give. That's a word for somebody today. Don't Give up. Don't give in. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. We learned last week, repentance is a good word. It's a great word. Repent, turn back towards God. After all, he's made a way. He's made a way back for you and me. He's made a way back for you and me. So don't give up. Keep doing what you know God wants you to do. And at a time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing. Verse 10, therefore, 
Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. We should do good to everyone we can. Within our reach, within our influence, within our sphere of influence, we should do the right thing, the right way. To be, I heard a buddy of mine, this is a great message, man. Wow, it's a great message. But uh, basically what he said was this. Uh, when are we going to see the church that loves their enemies? That's a good word. That's a good word. Scripture. Jesus. When... Are we going to see a church that loves their enemies? We should do good all, especially those in the family of faith. I'm going to ask our music team to come up, and I'm going to uh, set up communion here. As we contemplate uh, this kind of fork-in-the-road moment for, made for some of us here today, or we know the reality of today's decisions, how they'll eventually become our past, and they'll ultimately end up, show up in our future. And that could be a negative or a positive. And God wants to be a blessing, a positive for you and for me and for our families and for our church, for Christian Life Center. Do you believe that today? I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. In fact, I believe this church is still here and relevant in this community because of the good that the people of this church have done in the past. Do you believe that? That's why it's still here. That's why God's going to still bless this local church. We're going to stand on the shoulders of spiritual giants, faithful people, and we're going to continue the work God has. Here's what we're going to do communion today. I'm going to ask you, as the music team plays the first song, I'm going to ask you to come forward and to uh, get the, the drink and the bread and then bring it back to your seat and hold it. Everyone say, hold it. And then we'll all take together when I give instructions. Okay. So hold it one more time. Good job. So, uh, but as you come, come, uh, come respectfully, maybe in an attitude of prayer. But let's remember in this moment the, the high price that was paid so you and I can live a life of blessing. The high price. Not cheap grace, but the high price. Christ died on that cross. In that moment, he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Quoted Psalm 22. Because he felt that separation. Because sin requires a separation from God. He literally experienced that. Not, not only extreme pain from the crucifixion, but extreme emotional pain in that separation. Why? So that you and I could be with the Father through the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Let me pray, and then just come on up if you want to take communion. Come on up, get the elements, bring it back to your seat, and then... After the first song, I'll come back up and walk us through it. Father God, thank you so much for everybody here. God, I'm so grateful for this moment where we can lift up your name, we can honor you, we can thank you for the presence of the Spirit. 
just searching our hearts and our minds, our wills, our motives. God, why? Because you want us to be in right relationship with you. God, you want us to be where we need to be. I pray, God, as we take a few moments here and just uh, take communion together, that, God, your spirit will have its way. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on up and uh, take the element and bring it back.